Bulls over there and shake his small hunker neck. Let's knock him on their backs, butt him in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side. Welcome in to Hour 3, the Power Hour, on Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long & Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. past the hour here on this Tuesday. The Power Hour has officially begun. Text line's always open for you, 744-2990. Going us now on the program. He is our NFL correspondent. He's also Radford University Hall of Famer. Breaking down the AFC and the NFC, headed to the championship games. His name's David Smith. David, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, Rick. Nice to be with you this morning. We are now 282 games into the NFL season, and we're down to three, bro. We got the the AFC and NFC championships and, of course, the Super Bowl coming up in two weeks on February 11th. And happy to say, Rick, the way I see it, there's no kind of odd or fluky things for well-deserving teams, and two number ones shook off the rest of a bye to uh, advance, and so... Should be fun next weekend as we move into the final four of the NFL season. Well, let's review how we got here. Uh, the AFC, those Baltimore Ravens, they were well-rested. And really the only question I think many people had, how would they come back and pick it back up again? But my goodness, they did so. Uh, they look like they have everything in order right now. And that guy, Lamar Jackson, I mean, if he's not the MVP, there should be a serious investigation. Well, and, and if he's not, I think the league will just implode because not only is he deserving of it, uh, he has exercised a demon. I know the votes are probably already in playoffs. won't matter in terms of that. But let's, let's say this, too. You're coming into this game with a Houston team that had just demolished a Cleveland team that had the best defense statistically, some will say, from a yards game allowed perspective in the sport. Baltimore would differ with that when you talk about the, the historic uh, tra- trajectory that they're on. So we'll start with Houston real quick. 
and by the way, Rick, are they well built or what? Right? This Houston team, what's not to love about them? And while it didn't end like they wanted for a half now, I, I got to say, they were right there with Baltimore, and I was a bit concerned, and so was my nervous wife, a Baltimore <laughs> native, particularly when you start to think about how Lamar and the team could not solve their blitz, something that D'Amico Ryans was out of character in doing. I think caught Baltimore a little off guard with some of that. He was a bit flustered, didn't have any answers for it. And after all that, the defense was holding down. And then Steven Sims takes a punt 67 yards back for a TD to tie the game at 10. And that's probably shook up Baltimore even more as Harbaugh cut his teeth in the NFL as a special teams coach. And Baltimore typically doesn't do that. So for a half, while I felt good about it, I think everybody, if they're honest with themselves, sitting there going, oh, boy, Baltimore really needs to make a move. Well, buddy, halftime showed up. And from what I've read and what I've saw, Lamar had a few choice words. Uh, Harbaugh made a few adjustments. That's what great teams and great coaching does. And they absolutely put it to bed after that. The defense gave up no scores in the game. They put up 34. Check these numbers out, Rick. 22 first downs to 10 for Houston. 10 first downs in an NFL game. 67 total plays to 47 for Houston. They ran the ball for 229 yards. Lamar gets 100 of those. Houston ran the ball for 38 yards. And so as good as C.J. Stroud is, you know, it's the second time they played Baltimore this year, and Baltimore has been able to have them at their home both times. And then you add to it, both teams didn't have any penalties. And then the cherry on top, 37 uh, minutes of time of possession for uh, Baltimore compared to 22 for uh, Houston. Just an incredible opportunity. And so you got to give props to, to Houston for showing up. But Baltimore is just a better team. So you got to give them congratulations on that. And as Baltimore now is able to exercise that demon and Lamar is able to exercise that demon, they are now at a 14-4 and record, will host the championship game on Sunday. And congratulations, four-seed Houston, nothing to hang your head of, down four. They are an 11-8 and team, and they're going to be heard from. They remind you a little bit of what we said about Detroit last year. And we'll get to them in a moment, don't you think, Rick? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And, yeah, no doubt about it doesn't at all uh, spoil the great season they had, nor C.J. Stroud's Rookie of the Year campaign. Um, the other end of it, uh, I hated it personally since, you know, I can't stand the Chiefs, but uh, being a Broncos guy. But, you know, they come back and they win that game. The missed field goal cost the Bills a chance to extend the game. And once again, you know, I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn. You know, I've kind of been, I don't want to say anti-Josh Allen, but I've questioned his it, – it, they didn't lose because of him, but they didn't win because of him either. Where do you put this loss on the whole Josh Allen contention? It's five straight years they haven't gotten it done in the playoffs, and now he's 0-3 head-to-head against Mahomes. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to contend with because I didn't see any of the Josh Allen cost them the game thing. So for me, I, I was one of those that says, well, what would they be if he wasn't in the game? Could mm-hmm. someone else be yeah, yeah. as good for how they do it? And so when I think of it that way, I go, well, he means everything to that team. His ability to run the football, putting the ball in people's hands virtually down the field. You've got to make a play, Stephon Diggs. I know he's a great receiver. He misses that, that long pass play that could have changed things. And then the play, though, and near the end of the game when, when Josh Allen was feeling pressure, he has seen that a million times and has brushed that off and stepped up and thrown a yeah, great pass. Yeah, yeah. It it then you think it was just a casualness to that throw that yes. I thought, man, he can throw it through a tornado. In that case, he didn't. And so 
I hated throwing because you knew the narrative would be that if it didn't go that way. And then on third down, we kind of just threw it away with those great legs. Wouldn't you like to see him run I know. and get that first down? I know. Now, now, personally, you you didn't want the Chiefs to win like I didn't want the Bills to win because I'm a Miami fan. Correct. So here we are. Correct. We'll call it we'll call it the hate we'll call it the hate bowl. But 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 God bless Buffalo. They are um, you know they have 58 wins over a five year span. And no Super Bowl appearance is the first team and the only team to ever have that many wins and don't get to a Super Bowl. They are as snake-bitten as snake-bitten can be. We, we all remember the four consecutive Super Bowls that they got to and lost. And now for the second year in a row, they lose a home playoff game. And in this particular case, you have Mahomes on the road. And by the way, let me just say that I don't know why all these folks, because it hadn't been done, think that Patrick Mahomes – going on the road to play a playoff game was going to be the worst thing ever. It's not like he hadn't played road games in his career, and I recognize that playoff games are different, but this guy has proven enough to me, his body of work is solid enough to me, that if you don't destroy this team and you leave them in it, they will give you fits. Why do I know that, Rick? Why else would Buffalo punt, uh, fake punt on fourth down from their own 30? And Sean McDermott says after the game, we were having a time dealing with Mahomes, especially in that second half. But, boy, that was risky. But yet they dodged that bullet because two plays later, Nicole Hardman fumbles through the end zone. And, Rick, sometime in the offseason, we're going to unpack that rule, too. Fumbling the ball through the end zone that gives the other team a touchback on the, and the ball on the 20 has to be changed. That's too severe a penalty for a ball to go out of bounds through the end zone. If anything, give it back to the team that fumbled it on the 20. Don't give it to the other team who didn't deserve it necessarily, although the ball was loose. So I'll save that rant for another day. Mahomes, 215 yards passing. That Isaiah Pacheco is a monster at that size. Ran for 97 yards. Kelsey with two TDs. And so on they go. And as far as the Josh Allen goes, I didn't really give you a great answer on that. But what I will say is they got away from what was working really well in the first half. They ran the football wonderfully, and then they got away from it. And so I kind of was puzzled by that in terms of things that was having success because the Chiefs looked like they didn't have any answers for it, although they do have a really good defense, and they lost two defensive starters in the first quarter. And so, given all that, shout-out to the Chiefs, who are champions. And I think we may underestimate that. This team's won championships, and they've been in a lot of big games. They didn't get rattled in that game. Got to give them props. And, of course, the, the kicker, Tyler Bass, the, the inexplicable oh. kick. Did you not sense... That that when Buffalo left it to that, that anything could happen. Yes, and sure enough, yes. it did. It just was. It's just so unfortunate, and so that was even more reason why. And forty-four yards in that wind and cold isn't so much a sure shot as we may think sitting at home in a seventy-two degree living room. So, so as it goes with Buffalo, once again, a bridesmaid, not a bride. They will wrap up their season uh, with more questions and answers. But, by the way, I'm not of the contention they need to blow that team up. Fix a few things and you're there. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are like, yep, Mahomes is 3-0 against uh, Allen in the playoffs. They will advance and go to Baltimore to deal with those headhunting Ravens. That should be great. Mahomes against that all-world defense, 3 o'clock on CBS on Sunday. David Smith, our NFL correspondent, joining us on the program. All right, looking at the uh, NFC, a little bit of controversy, and uh, it wasn't a great time for Jordan Love to not play well. He did not. Uh, 49ers hang on, but, boy, the Packers played them off their feet. Rick, they outplayed them. Let's just call it what it is. They outplayed them. 
in, in my opinion, and again, we talked about how the Chiefs had two guys go down with injuries early in the game, and maybe it was me, but boy, it sure seemed like guys were down a lot in these games. And I think that has to do with a whole lot of factors. The intensity of the game, the hitting is next level. You've got good on good all over the field. And the fact that this is game number 19, there's only so many body blows these folks can take. That's why I think these athletes are some of the best in the world. But you're right, Rick. I thought the Packers handled the Niners on the, on the coin toss. They decided they wanted the football, marched the ball down the field, did get a field goal out of it. And I think if you're Green Bay, what you're really bothered about in that first half is you were moving the football, running the football against the Bully Niners, and in the first half, you only end up with two field goals. And so you had some chances there that could have tipped the balance of how you would have played that game later on. They were totally unfazed by the moment. And Jordan Love, his interceptions notwithstanding, is legit 194 yards passing. But like we talked about, Rick, during the season, Aaron Jones' ability to run the football and the way they do it provides them so much balance that it keeps teams thinking what they're going to do. You're not one-dimensional. And so for me... Green Bay came in there, and to me, I thought played better. And I thought Purdy was average to below average. And, again, Debo goes out, and Shanahan is a script guy. When things are clean and perfect, they're okay. The craziest stat in the history of stats is that a team that good under him was 0-30, went down by seven yeah. points going into the fourth quarter for a team that has been in four of the last five championship games. What it really says is probably – is that they're always ahead, but boy, when they lose, they aren't built for the comeback. Well, Purdy on Saturday proved that he's good, at least for one drive, for a comeback, losing his best receiver. But, buddy, it's not bad when you got McCaffrey. It's not bad when you got Kittle. It's not bad when you got Trent Williams. And so I applaud the Niners' ability to find a way to come back in that. And their defense, their bend-but-not-break defense, made plays by holding Green Bay out of the end zone. And keep in mind, how that thing could have changed so often on those first red zone drives. When you think about Purdy, 252 yards in a TD, doesn't turn the ball over. It's exactly what Shanahan wants. Christian McCaffrey's a dude, man. 98 yards on 17 carries. I'm still amazed at these smallish guys, him and Pacheco, that are able to run the football inside the tackles. And, and George Kittle, 81 yards on four catches. And so the Niners find a way to win. I would be concerned about their ability to stop the run a little bit as they host the championship game at 6.30 on Fox on Sunday. And a lot like Houston, shout-out to the Green Bay Packers. What's not to love about the NFL when you got the Texans and the Packers, these young upstart teams that have a lot coming down the pike? Uh, it's exciting to see what's going to be happening down the road for Green Bay. So shout-out them on a great season. But onward and upward for the Niners on Sunday night. Well, and Matt LaFleur also put to rest any questions, right? It was always about, is it just because yep. of Aaron Rodgers, right? Is it just be No, it's not. He's a really, really good football coach, and I think he showed he that is. with this team, right? I mean, Amen. Amen, yeah. brother. Amen. All right, the other game that kind of, I don't want to say it fell under the radar, but, you know, I guess everybody expected the Lions to win. Kudos to the Bucks and another guy who, I mean, I, Baker Mayfield, what he did this year is incredible. I know he threw the pick on the last drive, but – what he was able to do with that team who was picked at the bottom of that division is incredible. Todd Bowles won't get yep. enough credit for that kind of job he did letting those guys develop. But the Lions move on. David Smith's Detroit Lions are in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. <laughs> hey, buddy. Listen, we just call them like we think we see them, and sometimes we're right and most times we're wrong. But we got the Detroit Lions energy right because 
it's just a palpable feeling that you see from the interviews because that's all we know, Rick. We're not in Detroit, Michigan. All right, we know is right. what we see, hear, and read. And you hear things from people like Jared Goff, who played for Sean McVay, and he says Dan Campbell's the best lead he's ever been around. That's saying a whole lot yeah. when you're the number one overall pick and, you, and you've been to a Super Bowl with another team and you come to Detroit and he embraced him and he put the chip. If they didn't have a chip on the shoulders, a lot of these guys, Dan Campbell put one on their form sure. and they've got them believing certain things that city needs it. You can just feel the, the whole vibe around everybody wanting to root for them because they've never done it before. Only the Cleveland Browns, after the 58 years, has been a program this long that's never been there, and this is their chance. They're on the doorstep of getting, I think this is only their second championship game. But a lot like Jermaine said, they did win championships pre-Super Bowl. Let's give them credit. Those games count for somebody, right? So, But when you think about it, back to what you said about Tampa, no one even talks about them. In fact, people forgot about this game a lot of the reasons. Yeah. Not because, not because of Detroit, but they forgot who they were playing because Tampa's been – and I think correctly so, just quiet this year after all of the noise around Brady, 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 Gronk, 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 Bruce Arians, all those personalities. Todd Bowles is the exact opposite. He, he reluctantly does interviews, doesn't say much when he does. His football team just plays football. And he said, um, one of the announcers talked about Todd Bowles saying, why are you all discounting us? This team just went to the Super Bowl with a lot of these players on it. Uh, Vita Vea, that linebacking crew of David and White, those guys are good. Mike Evans, 10,000-yard receiving seasons. And Baker Mayfield, sign him tomorrow. He's a perfect yeah. fit for that team. And, and just button that up, and you can start to build on that momentum. Still a pretty young team in some places, old in others. But threw for 350 yards. And to your point, Rick, they were in that game, had to go 92 yards. He had already done that earlier in the game. Just a fluky play, just a quick misread, a great interception by a linebacker yeah. to shut that game down. And then for Detroit, uh, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, uh, once of Georgia Tech, 74 yards. What a freak running back he is, along with Montgomery. Amon Ross St. Brown, all-pro wide receiver, makes plays for him. Laporta, the great tight end. They've got young pieces, Aiden Hutchinson on defense. They built through the draft. They hit home runs with them. They're coaching them up, and they're playing super well. Big Dan Campbell fan. Once again, the, the difference in the game, two turnovers for Tampa and none for Detroit. So congratulations to those fighting Dan Campbells. They will go to San Francisco Sunday at 4.30. And congratulations to Tampa Bay on a 10-9 season and the division championship. They have just they have drafted so well. Remember all the bozos on the draft sets trying to complain <laughs> about Jameer Gibbs and those guys? Well, all those guys. Was, yeah, they're all yeah. starting. They're all contributing. And now Dan Campbell and that front office deserves all the credit in the world. We'll see if they can hold up on Sunday on the road. And uh, I know that uh, I went chalk in our picks. I went all home teams, knowing deep down there was going to be one road team, and doggone it, David Smith picked the right road team to, to pick this past weekend. Hey, man, every so often <laughs> it comes up aces. And it's funny, I was, as, as my wife and I were talking, I said, we can't have four home teams win this weekend, too. Now, I always feel like in the – in the wild card round, because of six games, you feel like you can get one of those, right? Yeah. But, and last week, yeah. last week we missed by a ton on those. We go for two and three. But you're right, Rick. You were three and one, and Buffalo one kick away, maybe one throw into the end zone away, and it would have been different. And I went four and zero. Oh. Here's the interesting part: we have picked 99 games this year. <laughs> the reason why it's odd is because the Miami game we didn't pick last week. That would have made it a perfect hundred games. You are 58 and 41, and I'm 60 
uh, and 39. So it's a two-game gap with Uh-oh. three games left to play. <laughs> so we're going to play it out. We may end up throwing some points in as a tiebreaker on the Super Bowl to see if we can have an all-or-nothing <laughs> proposition. But as it stands now, that's where we are, and we head into the conference championships, buddy. We'll go in order of their appearance on the show. Uh, Sunday at 3 o'clock, the Chiefs are going to Baltimore, three seed versus one seed. Mahomes in his sixth straight championship game. Who do you like, sir? I think I, got, I know. I got to stand by it, right? I said I'd never pick against Lamar again, and I'm not. I think they're the best team remaining in the tournament. Uh, what that is, whether it equates into a win or not, who knows? But uh, I got to go with the Ravens at home on Sunday to make uh, Peppers uh, very happy. Yeah, but Pebble's very happy, and since and and I'm going to make her very happy and pick them too. And the funny part about it is, is it is it is a little trepidation in this because that Mahomes guy, you're going to have to get rid of him. And so I know Baltimore is built for it. I'm going to take them as well. And of course, the nightcapper, those three seed Detroit Lions in another three-one matchup are heading out to San Francisco, six thirty on Fox on Sunday. Rick, who do you like? I'm gonna I'm gonna go. With David Smith's Detroit Lions. I got a feeling. I don't know why. I just feel like maybe this is the year they get to that first Super Bowl. I, I don't know. 49ers, I thought what the Packers did, you know, same division. Uh, Detroit going in there. I'm sure Dan Campbell took notes as well. I, I just, for some reason, I think Jared Goff's going to outplay Brock Purdy. I am going with the Niners. Uh, I'm going to stay chalk. I'm going to see if we can get a Christmas night rematch. <laughs> and the Niners will be able to play that game in Vegas uh, against the Ravens. How great would it be to have a one versus a one? But let's call it what it is. The Super Bowl never disappoints. Whoever makes it there has earned it. There is no free lunch here. You know, all the conspiracies and stuff in the world, all the officiating. When it gets down to the Super Bowl, it's good on good most times. And uh, we look forward to seeing how this plays out. So you have taken the Lions. I've taken the Niners. So we'll see if we can close the gap as we head into conference championship weekend this Sunday. All right. Great stuff as always, brother. Appreciate you. And we'll uh, we'll wrap it up next week heading for the Super Bowl. All right, buddy. Y'all handle Asheville tomorrow night. We'll be watching. All Take right. care. All right, man. Take care. There you go. David Smith, our NFL correspondent. We are back with more after this. All right, we are back for our final segment coming up. Bottom of the hour, news is about to hit. Thanks to David Smith. Great stuff as always. Got some nice text messages about David's uh, NFL coverage. Thank you so much. It's That's all him, man. He's the best. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Final segment here on a Tuesday.
minutes before the top of the hour. Call us up. Anything on your mind? 639-4900. Text line's open for you. 744-2990. Thanks to Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, and uh, David Smith. Thanks to you, Foo Fighters. <laughs> Final segment for uh, another week here on the program. Uh, I will be headed out tomorrow. I'll be here and then uh, leaving for Asheville, North Carolina. Islanders taking on the defending champs tomorrow night. Tech tonight at 9 o'clock against Boston College. Feels like one of those moments that Tech can capitalize now and go on a little bit of a run, as Mike Burnup talked about. Three straight games at home. Women uh, back on the court tomorrow as well. So it just kind of has that vibe to it that um, that NC State win is gigantic. Just cut down on those turnovers. That's the big thing. And we'll see if they can improve upon that here this evening. Is This is um, – and I know there are a lot of games, and I know there's not the fervor for college hoops regular season like there is in the cutthroat week-to-week college football. Plus, football is the most popular sport by far in the country. But this is when it gets down to the nitty-gritty and fun, I think, just because you understand that there aren't a whole lot of secrets between conference teams going head-to-head, right? They see each other every year. In most cases, the coaching staffs have been in place styles of play only thing it changes a lot of is you know with the portal you have a lot of different faces in the leagues from year to year but this is when you know you start to kind of get a little amped up at least I do about March Madness and the NCAA tournament and all the conference tournaments just a fun fun time of year we just I think don't view it in the same way going into it but you know, game like tonight is huge for uh, Tech. Game tomorrow for Radford is gigantic, heading down to Asheville. Because you're getting now toward the last week of January. So February is your last buffer, if you will, to get things done or to avoid complete catastrophe heading into March. And it's a fine line. Separation is so scant, especially in mid-major leagues in these tournaments between the top two or three teams and maybe even the the bottom two or three. Um, As close games prevail. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, that's just the way it's supposed to be. So we'll see um, how it all plays out. And we charge forward to what I think is the best sporting event we have in the country, the NCAA basketball tournaments coming up. Here in just, uh, it's hard to believe, we're looking at what? Conference tournaments in about five, six weeks? Man, oh man. I know we always talk about football season just going by so fast in the blink of an eye, but basketball season's really got in overdrive this year. Feels like we were just getting ready to go down to Chapel Hill from a Radford perspective and play Carolina. Now here we are, um, six games in coming up into the Big South schedule. Just flying. Absolutely fine. So that's happening, and um, 
we'll see what kind of crowds at Castle Coliseum tonight. Students will come out, but it's 9 o'clock. As Mike said, at least they're not on the road. He's been caught so many of these 9 o'clock games on the road. They are no fun. They are no fun in any way, shape, or form. But maybe that's an advantage that Tech can take advantage of. Um, This league this year is falling in line. I mean, if you look up and down college hoops and you look at – I try to ignore the rankings, to be honest, because they are what they are. One thing I look for is just to see – how the leagues are competitive, like I've been doing with uh, the ACC, and it might cost them. You know, hearing, hearing Burnup talk about it, it might very well cost them. Um, <laughs> Wayne says, yeah, it goes by as fast as the all-request Friday first hour. Yeah, something to that. The power leagues, you know, the ACC we've gone over, but the Big 12, there are some major players in the Big 12. you realize that Big 12 has seven teams ranked? Houston being the top team ranked. You know, Kansas has had that loss to West Virginia. Seven Big 12 teams are, uh, are ranked. The Big 10, which always seems to get so many bids, as Mike Burnup referenced. You know, yet they never really achieve. I mean, you have Purdue. There's really not a lot of great teams in the Big 10 this year. It feels a lot like the ACC. Carolina is the outlier in that league, then Purdue's kind of the outlier in the Big Ten. I mean, Illinois is number 10 in the country, Wisconsin 13, and that's it. They don't have anybody else ranked in that league. And then you get to the Pac-12, and it's it's just not very good. I mean, Arizona's in the top 10. UCLA's way down. The Ducks... Aren't great. Arizona, I mean, this is not a good league. Pac-12 in its final year, not a good league. So you may only get one, maybe two teams out of that league. And the SEC always seems to get way too much love during Selection Sunday. I mean, they do have three top ten teams. I'll give them that. It's top-heavy with Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn. Alabama is a good team. They're 4-1 in the league, but they have six losses overall. The usual culprits in this league, you know, the Floridas are not as great as they have been. A&M's just having a, eh, 11-7 Buzz Williams there. So what I'm saying is the only league, and I guess it's had that mantle for a while, that really can say we are the best league is the Big 12. The Big 12, when you have seven teams ranked, and you could possibly have you know, Kansas State could be ranked too. You could have eight. And only two teams overall under 500. That league stands alone. But the ACC is not far behind is my whole point of all this. And I, I'm enjoying the fact that in the ACC, it's nice to be able to turn on some of these games and know you're, you're really generally not knowing who's going to win. Whereas, again, Pitt going to Duke, you just always mark that off as, okay, how many is Duke going to win by? Well, they didn't. Carolina's the only team. You know, NC State was playing well. Tech said, well, we're going to come down and beat you. Florida State under Leonard Hamilton's come out of nowhere. They're 5-2. They have a better conference record than Duke. Wake Forest has had a great year. 
ran to a buzzsaw last night. Virginia's still kind of finding their way, right? Not sure where they are. Syracuse. You know, no Bayheim. They lost a lot of players. They're having a, a decent season. Miami is struggling. They've lost two in a row. And then you have Tech and Clemson, you know, still under 500 in the league. So, patience, and there's still a lot that can change here over the next three or four weeks here in college hoops. And then you have mid-majors who are stepping up and and having really good seasons and that's the world in which I live covering and, you know, working down at Radford University. The Big South is as wide open as it has ever been. High Point, Nashville are two really, really good basketball teams. Winthrop, Highlanders are just probably, you know, right in that mix, just a little behind that mix right now, but that can change. And that's why these games are fun. These are the games that, a lot of people don't think about, but late January, early February, everybody focuses once you get beyond Valentine's Day, right? But it's now these next few weeks really kind of in many ways decide your season. And I think there's going to be a lot more really positive moments for both Radford and Tech fan coming up. Are you excited about the uh, NFL championship weekend? I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, I want them to be good games. I'll watch them. But, you know, Detroit at San Francisco, we'll see. But I really wanted the Bills to beat the Chiefs. And I will say this. It feels like whoever wins the game in the AFC will win the Super Bowl. especially if the Chiefs go back-to-back on the road and win, then I really think it's going to be over. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. No disrespect to the Lions or the 49ers, but it just feels like that AFC game's got a little higher level to it. 49ers didn't look great. The Lions are riding some momentum. Lots of momentum coming up. So, I think they can go out there and get it done. Like the Packers. David's right. They outplayed outplayed San Francisco. Things went against them with the flags, and then Jordan Love didn't play great. But they, they took the fight to the 49ers. They really did. I mean, that division next year with the Packers and the Lions in the north, whew, I think the Packers are a rising team. Houston, fun to watch those uh, young quarterbacks like Jordan Love and a rookie like C.J. Stroud have big years. All I really want is no controversy this weekend and for the Ravens to win. <laughs> I mean, if 49ers win, whatever. I just don't, don't get my uh, championship Sunday started off with another Chiefs appearance in the Super Bowl. But I'll dislike over a certain franchise aside being a Broncos lifer. It is absolutely mind-boggling that Patrick Mahomes has been in the league six years and he's in six or started for six years and he's going to his sixth AFC championship game. That's 
If they win this year, win the whole thing, then all of a sudden you've got to start throwing him in the Tom Brady category. I really believe that. It's not too early. And you know that's not hyperbole by me because I don't want to sit here and prop them up like that. But if he gets that done on Sunday and then they win another Super Bowl, then all of a sudden Brady's going to have some company in that conversation. And he's still so young, relatively young. A lot of rumors Andy Reid may retire. I don't know whether that will happen or not. But they would be getting into some pretty rare territory if they are able to win that game on Sunday. So can the Ravens line up and get it done? We'll see. Contrast of two major quarterback stars in the AFC and not really so much in the NFC. Mr. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy making himself relevant every game. And Jared Goff, who has had just a sensational season, still doesn't get the credit that that he deserves. So a contrast to quarterbacks, and I think a contrast of overall team quality between the AFC and the NFC this year. But that's why you play the games. And now David's two picks ahead of me, which is not good. I really needed that Bills win. <laughs> that would have got me even with him. And we only have, what, one difference. So the best I can do at this point in our contest is win that Lions game this week and then go opposite him in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and then we can tie, and then we'll have our tiebreaker in the Super Bowl. So I'm torn. But... When you get to the championship games and you may have a visiting team win, it's not necessarily the upset that many people think it's going to be because if you've gotten that far, you're a really good football team. But, yeah, I need need some lion magic to keep me – I'm mathematically alive. It's like the baseball standings. You get down to the final 10 days of the season, and you may have 10 games to play, but you're like – six games back and you're like mathematically they're still alive but you know it's not going to happen I feel like that's my fate with David Smith in the contest I know it's not going to happen but I'm mathematically alive woohoo and that's what you uh, take with you being mathematically alive so I'll take that part of it anyway (laughs) still not done There's a chance. It could all change. But don't hold out high hopes. No, Wayne, I'm not torn like Natalie and Brulia. No, I'm not. I'm more like rip-torn in the dodgeball movie. All right, we'll be back. Wrap up Tuesday's show after this. Today. You're so hot, teasing me. So you're blue, but I can't 
That's right. Finish it up with some ABBA, as God intended here on a Tuesday. Thanks to Mike Burnham, Jermaine Farrell, and David Smith. Tomorrow we'll have the Roth Report with Bill Roth. Keon Brown. I don't know, but if you really sit down and listen to the lyrics here, it sounds a little creepy. But worldwide phenomenon. Well, they were Icelanders, right? Is that where they're from? Iceland? Is that right? I think that's where Abbott was from. Anyway. Is that right? Not Iceland? Feels like they were Icelanders. Antarctica, somewhere like that. Somewhere where it sounds really cold. I don't know. We'll we'll confirm that after the show. Everybody enjoy the uh, little warmer temperatures here today and uh, the rest of your day. And as always, thank you so much for making us part of everything that uh, you do in the mornings. Because uh, Sweden, thank you. Hokey Bob. Sweden. Where did I get Iceland? They were Swedish. Okay. I knew it was something like that. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> Be good. Enjoy your Abba trivia throughout the rest of the day. See you tomorrow. Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.